We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Wednesday morning live edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Nick Whalen joined, as always, on Wednesdays by my guy Brandon Kravitz. Uh, Brandon, we will talk about your Orlando Magic later in the pod. We, we haven't, haven't done a deep dive on the Magic in a while, and they they deserve it, man. Uh, still a uh, top three team in the Eastern Conference, tied with Milwaukee right now at 16-7. and seven. We will discuss some of the fallout from last night's pretty small Tuesday night slate, only five games, so not a whole lot to say. Uh, but, you know, we got some Draymond great news. We had the return of Bradley Beal. We'll play a little head-to-head. Who would you rather roster the rest of the way? And then, of course, later in the show, as we always do, we will take and answer as many live listener questions as we can. So put those in the chat. We're not ignoring them. We will get to all of them uh, later in the podcast. How are you doing, Brandon? Uh, it's been a week since we've chatted. Uh, fun NFL weekend. Uh, really fun football weekend coming up as well. Um, but looking forward to chatting some hoops with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I have like one uh, I think one foot still in the madness of this sports schedule and then the other foot is in the holidays I've already had multiple get-togethers I actually had a already already yes huh Uh, so are you are you are you someone whose family does these like pre-Christmas gatherings so I I grew up in a Jewish family so Hanukkah has is is already up and running we're on to uh night seven tonight so that get together has already okay. happened. So we're, are we in like the group play stage of Hanukkah? Yes, <laughs> we're okay. we're wrapping it up. Like we're about to hit the final four. <laughs> Things are getting pretty serious. Uh, my kid already has way too many presents. Good problem to have. Yep. And then my my wife's parents split when she was young, so she's got you know two sets of families that we. Oh, so we're okay. all so between two different holidays, three different sets of parents that we have to accommodate for. Uh, December is pretty well taken care of every year. So yeah, I'm, I've been all over the place and I actually had a radio commitment this past Sunday, so I couldn't go to one of the get togethers. I had a Sunday with red zone by myself, no wife, no child. I didn't even know what to do with myself. I just started working on plumbing issues. Like I'm not even a mechanic just so that I could feel better about the situation. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, all, all is good. Well, I, I don't have a child. I do have a wife, but no child. So that is that is basically my Sunday every week is, you know, 
plop down. We got the two TVs going. We got the iPad going, you know, on some sort of random streaming website to, to try to find the Jaguars game. I'm fighting through pop-up ads every five seconds. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I, I love nothing more uh, than, a, than a chill NFL Sunday. And uh, we got four of those coming up, you know, with no more teams on by. But, uh, anyway, let's talk some hoops here. Suns beat the Warriors last night, 119-116. Golden State's got major issues, man. Uh, you know, watching this team, it just you almost feel bad for Stephen Curry. I mean, he is now really for I guess you know, they've had a couple down years, you know, over the last few since Durant left. You know, there was the one year where Curry got hurt and, and everything kind of bottomed out, but you almost felt like, you know, with Curry missing so much time, that was kind of a wash. And obviously, you know, got them the number two overall pick, which uh did not necessarily turn into a, a foundational piece. But I mean, really for the first time, I, I feel like Curry is going through what what like LeBron has gone through. A few times so you think of that final year in Cleveland, you know, some of those early years in L.A. where you're watching and thinking, man, I mean, this guy's still got it in his mid 30s. And, you know, the, the players around him are kind of crumbling. You know, we're, we're still waiting for Andrew Wiggins, who went one of seven in 15 minutes last night uh, to to come around. You know, Kevon Looney, his minutes have been all over the place. You know, Clay Thompson, two of 10 last night. You, see, you know, Steve Kerr kept Wiggins, kept Thompson, kept Looney on the bench last night with Golden State clawed its way back into the game. And, you know, really it was Saric, Kaminga, Brandon Pajemski, who had a huge game. We'll talk about him in a bit. Those were the guys that that kind of rallied Golden State and kept them in this game late. But, man, the Warriors got big problems. They're 10 and 13. They, they need to find a way to to add some more reliable depth or, or, or swing some sort of trade. I am of the belief that, you know, first of all, if you try to trade Andrew Wiggins right now, I mean, his, his value is at the basement. I don't know what you could even get for him. For him. I don't think they want to trade Clay. I think – I think that would be a really, really tough decision. And I also don't really know what you could get for Clay at this point as well. You know, for a guy who's seeking a big contract and would want that with another team, I think PR-wise that would be a disaster. And then, of course, Brandon, on top of all this, Draymond Green takes a huge swing. And I don't know if he meant to hit Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, If he didn't, I don't know what he was doing with that arm. What are we looking at for a suspension here? I mean, we're, what, two weeks removed from him coming back from his previous suspension for the Gobert WWE takedown. I mean, this is this is just as bad as that. And I think you know, with everything compounding, and, and again, he deflect he deflects in the post game press conferences. Like, well, you know, I didn't mean to do. I didn't mean to swing my entire well, arm around and whack this guy in the head like a spinning Ric Flair chop. Like, what is he talking about? Well, it was so weird too because, like, you know, it, he was acting as if they were tangled up. And like, if you watch the play, it's like you know, Nurkic is there, but it's not like he was like grabbing his arm or they were like you know elbowing each other going for a rebound it's like yeah. this is a side you know sideline play and I, I thought Nurkic was just kind of he was playing normal you know normal defense so he was right there like I, I don't I don't think Nurkic was doing anything you know maybe there were some previous plays where you know something had been building between those oh, there's two, always something building especially there is, but I, I you know normally in those situations you, you can at least see like all right I, I could see why this escalated like that to me just kind of came out of nowhere I think Nurkic was as shocked as anybody I mean, I think we're looking at 10 plus games for Draymond. I think this is a, a you know message sender by the NBA, especially given what happened with Gobert. I mean, what is your expectation for what the suspension will ultimately be? I'm, I'm hoping we find out today. Yeah, I do think Nurkic fouled him before Draymond. He, he kind of grabbed his hip and turned him. So you could have called a foul on that. I mean, that's not a reason to turn around and smack someone in the head, but. You know, uh, I guess we're getting technical here, but his last suspension was what five games? Was five that games. What it was that to me felt a little light. Honestly, I was pretty surprised it was five. And this is his nineteenth ejection in his NBA career. I think they'll save the big one for twenty. I think this is more like uh, 
seven, seven at the most. Yeah, exactly. You build up. It's like getting reward. It's like getting rewards points. Like you buy, you buy nine smoothies, you get the tenth yeah. one free. That feels like the, they're gonna wait. They should unfurl a banner uh, at the Chase Center for the the twentieth ejection for Draymond. Like the, the the eventual statue. Like I, I think there's gonna be a Curry Clay, uh, Draymond maybe combo statue outside. Like you know, it should be it should be Curry hitting the shimmy, Clay hitting the three, and then Draymond like you know hitting someone. somebody on the on the, yeah. on the bottom. I think the um, Sabonis stomp would be the would be the I, statue. I kind of forgot about that one, right? I mean, people were doing the, the the Draymond retrospective last night on Twitter. I was like, oh yeah, that was actually a pretty major one. Um, yeah, and that one gets lost to history because it was like somehow the least violent uh, of all of his recent offenses. And he denied um, that one too. I don't know if you maybe you, you go with uh, punching Jordan Poole in practice. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, if you if you could build a, an exact replica statue of like the TMZ footage, I would be on board with that. Um, I think you know, seven games. Seven games feels about right for this. We'll see, man. I I think I would not be surprised if this is double digits. You know, with with everything. You know, even on the last suspension, you know, Adam Silver said, you know, we, we had to take his past history into account. I I think it's seven enough. I mean, this this feels like a equally violent, if not more violent, act than what he did to Gobert, which is saying a lot. Uh, but yeah, even if it's seven games, I mean, that's, that's a big deal for the Warriors. Like fantasy wise, Draymond, you know, he ranks barely inside the top 100, you know, the minutes have been kind of spotty. Obviously his defensive production is down. He's not even giving you a block or a steal per game, but you know, you're missing the rebounds. You're missing the assists. I I mean, I I think it's almost a bigger deal for the Warriors in real life though. I mean, they're, they're sitting at 10 and 13 right now and really have not been able to string anything together. Like they have not won consecutive games in well over a month. You have to go back to the first two days of November when they've won back-to-back games, uh, you look at their schedule coming up, Clippers, Nets, Portland, Boston, Washington, Portland, Denver. Uh, those would be their next seven. So if we're expecting a seven-game suspension, um, you know, the interesting thing is the seventh game of that list is Christmas Day at Denver. Like, do you, do you think that's a consideration at all? Like, does the NBA want him back for, for the big Christmas Day showcase? I, I, I would think so. Having Draymond Green not on the floor doesn't help your product. Uh, no. I mean, I think we're at the point now, Golden State shouldn't even be a Christmas a Christmas Day yeah. uh, showcase anymore, but um, Steph Curry's that big of a star. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if they structure it that way. That would be the right amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, did you already do the tally on how many games now is now between between now and then? What kind of suspension they'd be looking at? I think that he would come back for that. The well, NBA that loves be, marketing this stuff. There, the, so there you go, now. seven games. Uh, yeah. So there'll be there'll be the seventh. So six game, a six game suspension seems awkward. Maybe they just give him another five gamer. I think he'll be back by Christmas. Yeah. Maybe it's a 10 gamer, but they allow him to play on Christmas. And then he's suspended again after that. He gets like a work release for, for Christmas day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a bad situation for the warriors and, you know, it, Steve Kerr has kind of danced around this for the last couple of weeks. You know, he's been pelted with questions, you know, about, you know, what are you going to do with Wiggins? What do you do with clay? And I, I don't think there's a real answer. You can even see the frustration with Kerr last night where he's like, look, yeah, I left those guys on the bench because they weren't helping us. I mean, it was, it was the bench that, that got us back into this game. And, and he's not wrong about that, right? I mean, it's Saric, Kaminga. I mean, Chris Paul played really well last night, 15 and 11 uh, with, with two steals and five boards in 30 minutes. Uh, Moses Moody gave them some good minutes as well. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is a team that still wants to compete for a title. And, and it's all well and good to get those contributions, but that's that's not going to push you necessarily to the top of the West. Now, on the other side of this game, no Kevin Durant for Phoenix. We're now 23 games in for the Suns. We are yet to see Durant, Booker, and Beal play together. Uh, that was the fourth That's appearance crazy. of the season for Bradley Beal. Uh, he was back. He missed the previous 12 games, missed a full month. 
And I thought it looked pretty decent. You know, something that stuck out to me in all four games that he's played this season, like he's, he's working his way to the line. Like the shooting has been a little up and down, obviously when you're missing so much time, uh, you know, it, it's tough to reintegrate, but got to the line seven times, five of 12 from the field, you know, hit his first three of the night, 16 points, three assists, three rebounds in 27 minutes. What are you doing with Beal, you know, in fantasy? If you're holding him anywhere, like is, is there, is this somebody that you're really comfortable holding right now it's like he's a tough player to trade right I mean I, I don't think yeah. anybody anybody's going to be buying until he at least stays healthy for a couple of weeks and you know the back injury it's just something that can always be retweaked right I mean we thought he was going to be back a month ago played three games and he misses another month it just I'm not saying this is going to be a lost season like I, I think it can only really go up from here health-wise for Beal but you also got to take into account you know I think you forget because he was just playing in the the wasteland that is Washington these last couple of years I mean he's missed big chunks of time in each of the last couple seasons. Absolutely. I, I don't think we're out of the woods yet when it comes to uh, injury concerns with Bradley Beal or really any of these guys, um, uh, given the fact that it, it is hard to believe. When you said that, I thought, is that right? They haven't played a single game together. That is crazy. crazy. We still haven't seen that. Um, it, and I think part of the reason he's getting to the line is also part of the reason why I don't really love him in fantasy. Uh, this isn't a guy that feels like he needs to jack up a bunch of shots in order um, to help his team win. He can pick his spots. He can be much more patient and deliberate in his approach. That means that he'll be more comfortable just driving to the rack, take it to the rim, and mm -hmm. and uh, maybe you draw a foul and just help his team stay afloat offensively rather than be the offense because that's Devin Booker's job, and Bradley Beal shouldn't come in and try and take that. When you add Kevin Durant to the mix, I think you're going to get an even more passive Bradley Beal, and he's never been an elite defender, so it's not like... You're getting those stats um, passing. I mean, that seems to be falling on the uh, falling in the basket of Devin Booker as yeah. well. Uh, he's a guy right now. I definitely don't want to drop him. He's got way too much talent for right. that. Um, and you're right. What are you going to get for him in a trade? Unless you've got a Suns fan uh, in your league, uh, I think it might be hold on Bradley Beal. Yeah, I mean, we're dealing with such a small sample size. And again, you know, every game that he's played has been without either Booker or Durant. So it, it's tough to even use that small sample and feel like you can extrapolate you know, he, he his assist numbers had been up the last couple of years in Washington. Uh, you know, they were kind of lacking a, a, a true point guard in the post-John Wall era. Uh, but I, I don't know if that's really going to carry over. Like you said, I think Booker is, is the point guard for this team. And we saw yeah. that last night. I mean, he's the guy that, that I think they feel more comfortable in that role. And obviously, when Durant's back, you know, he, he becomes the number one or number two. And, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Bradley Beal, you know, kind of functioning as the Kevin Love, Chris Bosh uh, in this situation if you will, which can still be really productive. You know, I think he has a chance to to really up his three-point volume. Like, that was something that quietly fell off the last couple of years in Washington. Like, he had that season where he put up over 30 a game, back-to-back -back seasons, actually, 2019 and 2020. And, you know, those those years he was hitting, you know, two and a half, three, three-pointers per game. But those last two years in Washington, you know, you think of Bradley Beal as this high-volume knockdown three-point shooter. I mean, he only took four and a half threes per game last season. And you know, I, I think that's the, the one area where maybe he could improve and it's not ideal because you're, you're kind of using him, you're maybe underutilizing his skill set. but you know, at the same time, Bradley Beal is, is way overqualified to, to be standing in the corner, hitting open three. So I, I think, right. you know, if you could get to like six attempts per game, you know, I, I think that's a, an area in category leagues where he could be a monster. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and they're dealing with injuries right now too. Okogi left the game last yeah. night. Um, uh, you already saw seen Grayson. Bowl, bowl. What, what was that? We saw some bowl bowl in the first half. 
I mean, uh, we we're not getting enough Bol Bol. Yeah. I mean, if you really have a nice five minute appearance from him uh, with no made shots, uh, the uh, well, R.I.P. to the days of Bol Bol, the fantasy relevant basketball option. But Grayson Allen, uh, he'll be out tonight as well. So curious to see what they look like. Second night of a back to back going up against Durant's former squad, and Durant hasn't been ruled out as of the last time I checked. Yeah, uh, by the time you listen to this recording, he will be, but. Um, we could possibly see the debut of the trio tonight. Yeah, my guess is that you know you almost never see a player miss the front end of a back-to-back and then come back uh, on the second end. So my, my guess is he does probably miss, but you know it's not a serious injury for KD. Like more likely, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in my mind, that we see that big three together on Friday at home against the New York Knicks. Um, but at some point, it's going to happen. Hopefully, at some point, all three will play together and we'll finally get to see a, a fully formed version of this Suns team. Um, you know, again, not, not a whole lot else to discuss from last night. We, we saw a little bit of a post in-season tournament hangover from the Lakers who got off to a slow start against just an ultra-depleted Dallas Mavericks team that is now, you know, one, two straight without Kyrie, without Josh Green. Uh, you know, they're down Derek Jones, who's actually been giving them a lot of good minutes of late. I mean, it was just a kind of a classic what you'd expect type of game from Luka Doncic, right? 43 yeah. minutes, gets you 33 17 points, assists. 17 assists. Crazy. Uh, only four turnovers, three of 10 from beyond the arc, six of six at the line. Grant Williams had a great game. I mean, Tim Hardaway coming back after missing uh, on Monday night, 32 points off the bench for Hardaway. And, and Dante Exum out of nowhere. I was going to say, we're not going to spend five minutes on Dante Exum? What are oh, we doing? We're, we're spending at least five minutes on Dante Exum. Seven of nine from three last night. I mean, Dallas, the Lakers actually played pretty well. You know, LeBron and AD, I, I think, had to exert themselves a little bit more than they expected last night. I mean, another just monster night from Anthony Davis, who was clearly hampered and still gave you 37 and 11 with two blocks, 33, nine and eight for LeBron. Like the Lakers played well enough to win this game. They shot 40, they shot 54% from the field. They had 15 threes. Dallas went 21 of 43 from beyond the arc. And, you know, the exit thing is interesting. Like if you're, if you're in like a daily lineup league where you can make moves throughout the week, like I'd say pick him up. I mean, obviously once, once Kyrie is back, uh, you know, once Josh Green is back, we'll, we'll see what his role ends up being. But, you know, I think he's played well enough now that in deeper leagues, you at least have to consider it. I mean, it looks good. This is a guy that uh, we, we thought we'd get a breakout from almost 10 years ago, and it didn't happen. Right. So he's, uh, he's definitely been putting the work in to get better. Um, but my favorite stat of the, the, the line that Dante Exum gave us last night is that he he had, he made seven threes on the season going into last night? He had eight made threes, so he almost matched his season total in one single game. Probably not, but my point is doesn't yeah. sound all that sustainable. But um, but it was cool to see and and um, like the uh, I, I I wish I could remember which coach I heard say this. If I've seen you do it once before, I know you can do it again. Um, and so yeah, maybe he's got that in his bag now. I mean, Exum is basically a career 30% shooter and, you know, he hasn't played in the NBA since 2020. And, you know, that was, I don't even know if we, we count that he played like six games for the Cavs that year. So, I mean, it's obviously possible that he could improve and, you know, he's been playing well overseas over the last couple of years. You know, maybe that's a, a little bit more tailored to where his game is at right now, but he's only 28. You know, it's not, it's not inconceivable that, that he could still be making improvements, but that's going to be an interesting one to monitor. I mean, I think there are a lot of people out there who didn't even know Dante Exum was in the NBA this year. Yeah. I think that yeah. would probably be accurate, but uh, it, it goes to show the Dallas Mavericks are deep this year. They're not yeah. reliant on when Kyrie misses time. And by the way, weird look for Kyrie. He g- he gave the uh, he gave him the uh, the Deshaun Watson treatment. He was up in the suite 
last night. <laughs> you got to stay down with the team. You know, I know it's more comfortable upstairs. Yeah. Mark Cuban's sitting on the floor. He's the owner of the team. Like, what are you doing? Bad Mark luck Cuban. for Kyrie, but yeah, they're not they're not as reliant on on the the non Luca stars as as you would think. Mark Cuban was wearing a Dallas Mavericks football jersey last night. Uh, it's like something that only Mark Cuban does. It, it looked like one of those old school. Uh, like FUBU jerseys that people used to wear yeah. in elementary school. I'm, I'm sure those are those were popular in the Orlando area uh, as they were in the the general Green Bay area. Like those FUBU like 07. Oh yeah, jerseys. yeah I like I, where do you even getting Mavericks football jerseys? Walmart. I don't know. Yeah, Mark know. Cuban I'm... does not dress like a guy that is worth billions of dollars, and that's <laughs> no, probably doesn't. why he's worth billions. Yeah, that's. I think I dress him. better than he does. He did... Yeah. Um, Kyrie, by the way, the, the latest update that we got, uh, was yesterday. He's still in a walking boot and no return timeline. You know, they, in these situations, like at Rotowire, like, we're not supposed to, you know, like rule a player out. Like technically he's not ruled out for Thursday's game. I, I don't, I don't know if he's playing anytime soon, man. It's kind of a, it's a weird injury, right? A bruised heel, um, you know, which seems like a win based on how that injury looked. But I, I still think there's a chance that Kyrie, you know, misses a pretty significant chunk of time. Obviously a guy who has a, a, pretty lengthy injury history, especially with, with lower body injuries. So I, I think there's going to be a, a lane here for Dante Exum to, to be a streaming candidate for the next couple of weeks. Obviously Hardaway uh, is probably going to benefit most. I mean, Jaden Hardy is in that conversation. I think in deeper leagues, like he looked great on, on Monday, came back down to earth last night, just one of seven from the field. I'm not, not all that interested in him, but you know, if you're in like a, a 16 team league, I, I think he's somebody to consider at least for the next week or two. Yeah, and you mentioned Grant Williams. Really liked what I saw there. He's always been an efficient three-point shooter, and it was good to see him get back on track. So that's another guy that um, that I'm going to be looking to take some shots at as well. All right, keep those uh, questions coming in the chat. We will hit those in a little bit. Uh, I know it's early. I know it's Wednesday morning. Uh, but if you got any questions for the rest of the week, any trade questions, lineups, ads, drops, throw those in the chat, guys, and we will get to those in the second half of the podcast. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, and Underdog is the number one platform for NBA best ball, as well as DFS player pickup contests. If you haven't tried Underdog yet, new users get a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks, and you also get a free six-month subscription to our site, RotoWire. and all you got to do is use the promo code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today. Use that promo code RWNBA and claim your free Rotowire subscription and that deposit bonus. And to be clear, I mean, that six month subscription, that gets you access to everything, not just our NBA tools, not just our, our DFS optimizer. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're in the, the playoff hunt uh, in your fantasy football leagues, you know, if you're starting to do some fantasy baseball prep, even looking ahead, you know, to, to the next fantasy football season, you know, that six, that six month subscription unlocks everything at Rotowire. So go check that out. Again, the code is RWNBA. All right, Brandon, I wanted to kind of play some head-to-head, you know, who would you rather roster the rest of the way? And you know, I'll, I'll throw some names at you. Uh, you can toss some at me, and we, we will discuss. Um, but I, I want to start with, you know, we get a lot of questions during these streams about, you know, what do you do with veteran guys uh, who are injury-prone? You know, think Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, Kevin Durant. Um, in general, you know, I, I'm kind of in favor of, like, ride it out a little bit longer. We're, we're still only 20, 25 games in. Later in the season, you maybe start to worry um, but do you, do you have, you know, of that group I just named LeBron, KD, George, Kawhi, is, is there somebody that you could possibly trust the most out of that group? You know, like, is there any, 
is there any inclination to trade for one of those guys? Because you, you might be able to get them at a discount if you have a manager who's worried about that injury, you know, coming around the pipe. I, um, I, I'm not that worried about LeBron James. I know that he's older, but he's been the healthiest over the course of his career by a pretty significant margin over everybody else. He doesn't have nagging injuries. I worry more about LeBron being held back, or really, if you want to word it properly, LeBron holding himself back so that he can be full go for the playoffs. But this guy really only knows one speed, and that's full throttle. Uh, we saw him go all in for the in-season tournament. The in-season tournament, this guy was playing like he was in the playoffs. LeBron's a competitor. I trust him much more than I trust anybody else. He's not as squirrely as a Kawhi Leonard who will just miss time seemingly for no reason um and um you know obviously he's getting older all these guys have their concerns but i trust lebron the most yeah i I think you're right and the injuries that lebron has suffered the last few years have been i I think fluky you could say right if he's getting he's you know it's like he has bad knees yeah you you got people diving into him things like that i mean uh who was it was it solomon hill i think who who dove into him a couple uh, a couple years ago i mean like you said, they're, they're not nagging injuries. They're, you know, slipping on the floor and straining your groin type of stuff. And you'd like to think that, you know, maybe that injury luck comes around for LeBron, whereas, you know, all those other guys have had, you know, more chronic issues. If you're, if you have the option to roster one of these two players, the rest of the way, Julius Randle or Pascal Siakam, they are right next to each other in the season long rankings right now. I think I would go with Pascal Siakam. Uh, Julius Randle is so hot and cold. And you just never know when it's going to go away. I think Pascal Siakam is still so important to the everyday grind of of what the Raptors want to do. It just feels like they're very similar players to put those two head to head, um, you know, in terms of uh, the the numbers that they're putting up, uh, the abilities that they have and and their upside. But in terms of, I think for both, they both have incredible upside and and, and their best nights are all-star level, Mm -hmm. but the downside definitely points in the direction of Julius Randle. So I'll take the upside with the higher floor of Pascal Siakam. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're very comparable players in a lot of ways, same position. Like I said, they're they're basically provided equal value on the year so far. I mean, you, you do worry a little bit more about the field goal percentage, with Randall, although Siakam has been just a disaster from three, and, and we'll see if that comes around at some point. You know, Randall had that. He doesn't take start. as many as Randall does. No, he doesn't. Um, and, and part of that is because he's just not making them. But you know, Randall got off to that horrible start, and I think that's still dragging down his numbers. You know, the first first nine games of the year, Randall was shooting thirty three percent from the field, twenty five percent from three. Since then, so we're looking at a sample of thirteen games, fifty two percent from the field, thirty six percent from three. So maybe he settles somewhere in the middle, but you know, if you isolate the last month, you know, Julius Randall has been, he's been the better player. He, I, I think he's a little bit more reliable counting stat wise. Like his, his down nights aren't as bad as Siakam's like Siakam every now and then will just have a, a disaster type of game, you know, four of 12 from the field, three rebounds, three assists. Whereas at the very least Randall's is, is giving you, you know, the counting stats every night and you're going to have to live with the hit to the field goal percentage and the free throw percentage. But um, I, I feel like he's a, a little bit more reliable in that regard. Oh boy, we got, we got a frozen Brandon, or or he's taking his time uh, to to really think through this one. Um, all right, we'll get Brandon back in the stream momentarily. Uh, let's see, we'll take a couple listener questions while we get Brandon back. David asks, "All right, thoughts on a Kobe White breakout?" I, I think the Kobe White breakout 
may already have happened, uh, may be in the process of happening. Uh, he's been a top 50 player over the last month. And I think it's entirely possible that Zach Levine has perhaps played his final game in a Chicago Bulls uniform. I, I, I'm not saying he's not truly injured, but I, I also think there might be a little bit of uh, gamesmanship going on with the Chicago Bulls front office and, and waiting for you know players to become trade eligible later this week. And, and we'll see if anything becomes of that. But I, I think it's almost a lock that Zach Levine has moved at some point. You know, might not be until the trade deadline in February. But it's going to depend more than anything on what the Bulls bring back in a potential Levine trade. And we'll also see if they they move to Rosen. You know, maybe they try to move Vucevic as well. I think this pretty clearly is a, a sinking ship and a team that needs a reset. But Kobe White's going to be a big part of that, right? I mean, this is a guy that that has a draft pedigree, right? He's a top 10 pick in 2019. I think they have a, a reasonable investment in him and you know bringing in Levine bringing in DeRozan has kind of forced him to take a back seat these last couple of years last 11 games for Kobe White which is really when that breakout began 23.3 points 4.6 rebounds 4.9 assists 51% from the field 53% from three on over nine attempts per game that's the that's going to be the determining factor for Kobe White obviously he's not going to shoot you know 51 53 91 the rest of the season how much does that three-point percentage come down? You know, he's basically been acting as the co-focal point of this offense. So I, I don't know that a whole lot will change there. Um, but at some point, you know, he's probably going to regress closer to 40% from three, which is still totally fine. I mean, if you're if you're above 40% the rest of the way, you feel pretty good. Um, I would not be looking to to offload Kobe White by any means. I, I, I think if anything, you're going to have people trying to trade for him and, you know, make sure you get a good return. Like I, I had an offer, Brandon, on Monday come through in a league where somebody tried to, to offer me Kobe white for Jaron Jackson. Uh, wow. I mean that that's pretty strong. And Jaron Jackson coming off of, uh, his season best game, but that like that yeah, right. just goes to show we were talking about Kobe white a couple of weeks ago on this show. Hopefully you all, uh, ran out and grabbed them. Uh, Zach Levine doesn't look like he's ever going to play for the Chicago Bulls. Bulls team is operating so much better so much more fluid offensively um sharing the basketball but a better playing that sort of billy donovan brand of, of ball so what did you end up doing with that offer i declined it you know i, I do think jared jackson's best days are still ahead of him and it was tough because you know yeah. kobe white played a great game the other night i mean this was right after kobe white went for 33 and six with six threes um you know against uh, against milwaukee and, you know, Jared Jackson was coming off of that 42-point game. So it was kind of, you know, my peaking player for your peaking player. But I still I still like Jared Jackson more rest of the season. You know, I, I want to see what this team looks like with John Morant and Marcus Smart back. I, I think they'll be more competent. I, I think in a roundabout way, it's actually going to help Jared Jackson more than it hurts him. Like, obviously, Morant coming back means less offensive responsibility for Jackson. But these last 20-plus games have also proven that Jared Jackson's just – he's just not a guy that could carry a team offensively and I think he's going to be a lot more efficient like right now it's like it's not like you drafted Jaron Jackson thinking like all right you can lock in 25 points per game it's like the thing that's really killing you is the field goal percentage and he's taking right. he's taking more shots than he needs to you know he's, he's never been overly efficient as far as big men go but he can't be shooting like 41 percent from the field like that that's going to be a killer so I want to see I want to see how he's you know if he can kind of go back to being closer to a 50 percent guy from the field with Jabba Rant, you know taking more attempts around the rim the raw scoring numbers are going to decrease but I, I think we see him hopefully move back into the player that he was last season. And it's hard to say how the return of John Morant affects Jaron Jackson, the shot blocker. But that's the other thing. Like if you paid up for Jaron Jackson in a draft or in an auction, 
you're expecting at least two and a half blocks per game. And you know, that's been yeah. the other thing that's really dragged down his value. He's had, he's had some of those splash games, but you know, he's, he's not giving you a consistent two, three, four blocks every night. Yeah. And John Moran coming back is shouldn't do anything to, uh, to help that. That seems like more of a Jaron Jackson issue, but offensively it's the two man game that's missing. They need each other. Um, they feed off of each other and his offensive production is he's not a guy I've seen way too much. ISO Jaron Jackson jr. That's not his game. And uh, he, he definitely we've learned that he needs Jaron ja- or he needs John Morant mm-hmm. in the lineup. I think you made the right call. It would have been overreactionary to make that sort yeah. of a, a, a deal. Uh, but man, Kobe Wright, what a what a find he has been. And the fact that that's even a discussion. It's great. And I'm Keep glad that I'm back. I have no idea what happened to my computer, by the way. Not a clue. Hey, just, it's all it good. Just You're shut back. down. Yeah, sometimes you know, that'll happen every now and then. Just just couldn't handle the heat uh, of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. <laughs> uh, keep those questions coming in the chat. We'll, we'll get to those momentarily. Want to throw a few more, you know, who would you rather have questions your way, Brandon? You know, I, I've been looking to offload Damian Lillard in a league. And, you know, part of it is you know, I, I was just in like a, a rage situation after he went two of 16 uh, the other night against Chicago. It's like that's now three just horrible games. Like his three worst games of the year, arguably, have come against the Bulls for whatever reason. Um you know, I, I tried to trade him straight up for Donovan Mitchell. That uh, that trade request has not been answered yet in this league. I assume it'll be declined, but uh, you also got to know your league. And I tried to trade him to a, a diehard Bucks fan who I, I thought would maybe value Lillard a little bit more highly. But, um, you know, what, what do you think of trying to to trade Dame for, you know, kind of do an elite guard swap? Like, I, I don't know if you can get Trey Young right now. Probably not. You know, maybe in a nine-cat league where, where you're a little bit more worried about the turnovers. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to float offers for, you know, Donovan Mitchell, for Trey Young. Uh, you, know, you could even do a package deal for for two lesser guards. Uh, but, but thoughts on Dame overall? Like, is, is this somebody that you feel is going to find his stride as the year goes along? Because he's he's been fine. Like, he's still been, like, easily a top 20 guy on the year. Uh, for the most part, everything's been good. Like, the free throws especially, super efficient, high volume. But we're not we're not seeing those, like, crazy peak nights from Dame anymore, right? It's like we, we yeah. haven't had one of those, like, Dame Lillard has 31 points in the second half type of games. Yeah, and we're seeing him score into the 30s, but you, you don't need, and he doesn't need to be that guy anymore. They have Giannis. Giannis uh, is putting up monster numbers uh, because that's just what he does. So he's going right. to defer to Giannis and try and, and make sure that he remains the focal point in the offense. It's completely different uh, than what he's ever dealt with in the past, even sharing the rock with C.J. McCollum back in Portland. Right. I th- I think that what he has been is what he's going to be. You just hope that he can be a little bit more consistent and, and and avoid those pitfalls like you had against the Chicago Bulls where he went three of seventeen from the field. I still like Damian Lillard a lot, and and I think that he's a guy that over the years we've been able to rely on what he brings to the table scoring. He just doesn't have the same level of upside. But you also have to keep in mind these guys have not played a lot of basketball together. We're not to Christmas yet. Um, I still think. He most likely is just going to be what he is, but his best days with Milwaukee could still be in front of him. Uh, I would look at, like, uh, would you rather have a Jalen Brunson, De'Aaron Fox? Like, I'd rather have those guys. Yeah. I don't know if somebody's willing to make those, willing to make that sort of a deal, but uh, I'd rather have those sort of ball-dominant guards. Yeah, Dame versus Brunson is interesting. I think I would lean Dame there. Um, Fox Fox would be a really interesting one. That That's an offer that I might have to float out there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, what about Franz Wagner or Zion Williamson? They are also basically equal fantasy players uh, in eight cat leagues over the last month. And you know, this one maybe comes down to if you're in a category league, you know, where, where are you willing to take the hit versus, you know, get some of the, the increased production. But my guess is that you being in Orlando, you would lean Franz. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard it's hard to say that there's not more upside with Zion, but you're worried about the weight. You're worried about the potential injury. But uh, you know, would you chase the upside there or go with who I think is the safer option in Wagner? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to be a little slanted in my view because I watch this guy play every night. But I, what, Franz is one of the most consistent basketball players in the NBA. And I could say almost the exact opposite about Zion. You just never know what kind of player you're going to get. He doesn't look like he's in shape. I know that's been a big ha-ha talking point on the debate shows, but it's legitimate. I mean, the guy looks, if you look at his side-by-side now compared to what he looked like in a Pelicans jersey a couple of years ago, the guy's put on serious weight, and it's not the good kind. Like you, I think seeing him next to LeBron in the in-season tournament semi was eye-opening. Uh, this is not a guy that's fit, and I do worry about him staying on the court Franz is an Iron Man type if he misses time it's going to be only because of a significant injury and nothing else uh, the field goal percentage I know was an issue a couple of weeks ago it seems like he's rectified that and um, he's been back to his old self in terms of what he's doing around the rim mm-hmm. and and him and Paolo they play a great game side by side the, you never know, like one will shine one night, one will shine the other. But most of the time, they usually split for about a total of 50 to 55 points between the two of them. Uh, I would I would go with the safer option. But of course, it's not going to surprise anybody that's been listening. 
All right, let's hit some of these questions in the chat. Again, keep those coming, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, makes the podcast a lot of fun for us. Hopefully, it gives you some actionable advice and uh, more than anything, you know, helps us talk about as many players as possible each episode. Uh, Paul asks, I'm trying to trade away players from potential tanking teams. I have Kuzma and Markkanen. Who can I target with packaging those two or even a one-for-one one separately? This is a good question. We get this one a lot. You know, I... I have a ton of marketing exposure. You know, as far as elite guys go, he might be my most rostered this season, which is good and bad. Uh, when he's been out there, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's now missed, what, seven or eight games in a row. I, I think the hope is that he's back at some point this week. You know, he practiced late last week, practiced over the weekend, and then still you know, was ruled out the other night. So we'll see. We're early on enough that I don't think you have to panic on marketing but I don't know if I want him on my roster after the trade deadline. You know, I think, you know, those final 10 to 15 games of the year is when it could really hurt you as it did with plenty of jazz players last season. But even, even in season, even if we take the the shutdown aspect away from it, the jazz are one of those teams that feels like every other night they're getting blown out. You know, they're down 30 going into the fourth quarter and, you know, you're losing five or six minutes per game for marketing because the game is so out of hand. So I, I totally understand wanting to offload him. You know, who could you target then Brandon? I mean, you would, I, I, I think he's still good enough that you don't have to take like a, a massive discount on a return. But, you know, I think the idea is that you're targeting somebody who obviously you feel better about health wise. And then, you know, from a team that's more competitive. And so if I'm understanding this question correctly, you're trying to package these two players in order to upgrade. Yeah. To either one. package or, or do one for one trades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think a couple of names that would come to mind, like Paul George uh, just missed time with an injury or uh, was just knocked out. Yeah, I got hurt last night. Um, A guy like that, maybe there's a little bit of panic and injury concern, so maybe you could pick up someone like that. Um, DeMontis Sabonis with two players of that caliber, um, you might even be able to swing a trade like that, maybe a little pie in the sky. Yeah. Maybe you've got a fantasy manager out there that's down on someone like Desmond Bain right now. And with John Morant coming around the corner, they might be looking and saying, you know, let me see if I can offload him. I don't think Desmond Bain is going to be hurt all that much by the presence of John Morant. I think the rising tide will lift all boats when it comes to the Grizzlies, like we were talking about with Jaron Jackson Jr. Those are a couple of the names that just pop into my head immediately. Yeah, I think Markkanen is obviously the far more valuable of these two. And, you know, it's tough to trade a player who's injured. But, you know, again, maybe you wait for him to come back for a game or two, look good, and then, you know, can do a little bit better in a return. But that's where I think you have to to target somebody that where there's a little bit of concern on the other end. That's the only way you're going to do it. So with Bain, you've got the Morant factor looming. With Paul George, you've got an injury that's recent. We don't know the length of it. Maybe one of those Suns guys who – um, it, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that there's you're not enough. getting Booker or KD. It's like, I mean, Beal, yeah, I just, I, I think that's taking on probably more risks than you're looking for. You know, <clears throat> some names that came to mind for me, even you could try like Alperin Shangun. You know, he's having a great year, but, you know, still ranks a little bit lower than you think in fantasy due to, you know, some of the deficiencies in his stat profile. You know, like a DeJounte Murray type, um, you know, even Bam Adebayo, kind of a my injured guy for your injured guy. Right. You're optimistic exactly. about him coming back. I think Desmond Bain's a good call. Uh, you know, even James Harden. I think there's still some, you know, some some kind of doubt as to how that situation's going to work out. But he's he's been a great fantasy player, man. Uh, had a good game you just last can't night. Quit James Harden, dude. I, I'm looking to acquire James Harden. Like wins and losses, team chemistry. That that is that's not a category. 
in fantasy basketball. Right. Like he's trade requests. Right. I mean, he's, he had the hamstring issue a year or two ago, but other than that, he's been really healthy despite everybody questioning whether or not he's in shape. Like he's the guy that I trust most of that big three in LA to stay healthy. So those are some names you could consider. Um, you know, like I think it's a bonus. Like you said, if you package those two, maybe you could get him. Who knows? That, that, that's a decent one. Uh, I was going to say McCall Bridges. Probably not. You know, he's like the ultimate safe option, right? I mean, I for one, for the, Nets, the Nets are competitive. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to be in the mix for a playoff spot or a play-in spot. He plays 80 games every year. Uh, so, so that's somebody to consider. Obviously, you'd probably have to package those two uh, in a deal. But, um, you know, Kuzma is kind of a meme at this point, but he's, he's still relatively productive, right? I mean, he's still, yeah, he is. he's been the most consistent player by far fantasy wise for the wizard. So I, I don't think That's you're in a bad a spot here. You should be able to bring back some pretty decent value. Um, all right. What's cat's value and bridges want a package for a player. So look, I, I don't know which bridges we're talking about. Could be miles, could be McCall. Uh, but either way, you're packaging one of those guys with Carl Anthony towns especially if it's McCall Bridges, I mean, aim high here. I mean, this is this would be a pretty elite trade package. Yeah, for sure. When we're talking about, what, a top 30 player uh, in fantasy. Yeah. And uh, and I love the way the Wizards have been playing. And he's, he's a really big part of that. So I don't, I don't see I don't see his production slipping off in any way. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I'm trying to unload Carl Anthony Towns. I, I'm not either. I mean, over the last month, he's been a, a first-round value in category leagues. So I wouldn't, you know, again, if you're, if you're trading cat plus bridges, either bridges right now, I mean, to me, you got to be getting back a top 10 guy, right? I mean, cat in and of himself is almost a top 10 player. And then you're adding big time value on top of it. So, I mean, to me, we're talking like Halliburton, you know, uh, SGA, Jokic type of packages, guys that are almost impossible to trade for. Yeah. Go for it though. I mean, if you if that's what you're trying to, you're trying to make a move, but yet definitely value your guys properly uh, and make sure that you're getting a fair return, shoot for the moon. And uh, and if you get a rejection, then hang on to those guys because yeah. assuming that it's Mikhail Bridges and not Miles Bridges, that's quite the tandem to have on a fantasy yeah. roster. I mean, even if it's Miles Bridges, I think there's a lot to like there too. I mean, you, you worry about the, the competitive aspect, I guess, with the Hornets, but that's still a player who I would be trying to acquire right now, especially not knowing when LaMelo's coming back. Uh, all right, Jason says, hey, question, should I trade Donovan Mitchell for Devin Booker in a nine-category league on Yahoo? I don't know if you can really go wrong here. I, yeah. I think both these guys are, are really comparable. They've, they've been very comparable throughout their careers, especially the last couple of years. Um, if you're looking over the last month, Donovan Mitchell ranks just outside the top 20. Booker's about six spots higher. I, again, I don't, I don't really feel strongly about this because we're yet to see, you know, the fully formed big three for Phoenix. And I do think, as we said earlier, like Bradley Beal is going to take the biggest hit when those three are healthy. I don't really think we see a huge drop off for Booker. Um, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell is, is the guy in Cleveland and, and that's not going to change either. I, I guess I would do it, uh, but I, I don't feel strongly. I think you're in a good spot either way. I I think Devin Booker's assist numbers could potentially go through the roof. I think he's a guy that could average over double-digit assists when those guys all play together because he's going to be the primary ball handler. And he's the most – this might sound wild with uh, Kevin Durant on your team, but he's the most consistent scorer among the three of them too. So I I would rather have Devin Booker of the two. But like you said, that's not me. I'm not – I'm a big Donovan Mitchell guy, and he's one of my most rostered players. So I love Mitchell, but I'd still rather have Devin Booker. 
I think the other thing with Booker is he's the best health bet of those big three. Right. Game, right. It's yes. like, obviously Durant to me is still the best player, even at his age. But um, if, you're, if you're talking about who are you most confident in, you know, playing 90% of the games the rest of the way, I would say Booker. All right. Good question here from Dub Force. Asar Thompson is his playing time picking back up again. This is the million dollar question, man. Uh, I mean, we had four straight games where they brought Asar Thompson off the bench. He averaged 16 minutes per game in that span. Uh, didn't play well. You know, he was 25% from the field. Didn't respond well. You know, wasn't still giving you rebounds. That was about the only thing. But, you know, only two assists, one total steal slash block in that span. And then all of a sudden, two nights ago, they move him back into the starting lineup and he plays 33 minutes. That was his most minutes in any game since November 14th. 20 points, six rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. Uh, and it was a, a kind of an ideal matchup fantasy-wise against the Indiana Pacers. You know, Alex and I have kind of danced around this one. We've gotten a lot of Asar questions over the last couple of weeks. And we've, you know, our answer has basically been try to hold him if you can. Like, I, I think he's a player that you're, you would regret dropping. And if you did over the last couple of weeks, you might already be regretting it. But there's there's literally no way to predict what the Pistons are doing here. I mean, no team has changed up their rotation, changed up their starting lineup on a whim more than Detroit has already this season. Like, they are clearly scratching and clawing for any answer, trying to, to trying to end this losing streak. And, you know, I think they had internally like real expectations for this season, right? Like there are, there are other bad teams, you know, Utah, Portland, I think they knew what they were getting themselves into this season. Whereas I'm not saying Detroit thought they'd be good, but I think they thought they would be significantly better than they've been so far. I don't think they thought they'd be the yeah. worst team in the league. Right. So you have to factor that in to some degree. I, I, again, I, if, if somebody dropped a star Thompson, I would go grab him. You know, I think it's, it's a great sign that it looks like that stay on the bench was only going to be a week and a half. And, you know, Detroit has to accept their fate at this point, right? Like some, some sort of crazy turnaround is not coming here. So what is the point of, you know, keeping your top five pick on the bench playing 17 minutes a night? Yeah, we don't see a lot of teams that go on a 20-game losing streak, make a deep run into the playoffs. So Almost I think never. that's – pretty sure that's never happened. I, uh, I, I think the, uh, the fate has been sealed for this team. But I wouldn't be too worried about a star Thompson. I'm with you. If he was on the waiver wire, he would zoom to the top of my list of guys I'm trying to add. His minutes are going to increase. Of course, they're trying to do different things. They've lost 20 games in a row. You have to think about that. Take yourself out of the fantasy mindset. Think like a coach. You would be switching lineups like crazy, mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to get out of that situation. And Asar Thompson is a, is a looks like he's going to be a really good player in this league. He's already a fantasy asset when he gets the minutes, but he's a rookie. And when you're losing 20 straight games, you need experience out there to try and dig your way out of it. Uh, but that hasn't worked. And I think he's, yeah, we, we're going to see him as somebody who is a buy low candidate. He's a surefire pickup. If he's sitting there on the waiver wire, blocks, steals, he can score. Um, he's smart with his shot selection. Uh, he's the kind of guy I want on my fantasy roster. His athleticism is through the roof. And he's one of the few players I feel really good about in Detroit right now. Skeeter asked, do you see Josh Hart? getting a bump with Mitchell Robinson out. Interesting question. You know, not a one-to-one -one positional replacement. Obviously, that's Hartenstein, who played 27 minutes on Monday, 11 points, eight boards, two assists, two steals, and a block. Kind of best case. You know, we'll, we'll see how many minutes he ends up playing. Uh, obviously, we, we saw a stretch last season where, you know, you, you kind of thought Hartenstein would be in a, a good position with Robinson out, and, and Tibbs was still a little bit hesitant. Uh, but, yeah, the Josh Hart angle of this is interesting because, obviously, he's such a great rebounder for his size and, and Mitchell Robinson is just a rebounding vacuum. 
I would I wouldn't say there's a significant bump here. You know, I mean, you have three very high usage players already in Barrett, Brunson, and Randall. So, you know, Josh Hart, like really upping his, his usage or doing more offensively without Robinson. I don't think that's really in the cards, but you know, I, I think they'll distribute those minutes a little bit more differently. You know, they'll, they'll play smaller. You know, you could use Randall at the five. Maybe that means a little bit more for Josh Hart. I would say a marginal increase, but nothing super significant. Yeah. I don't think it changes that much. We actually saw Jericho Sims get the starting nod yeah. uh, with them switching it's up. Very Tibbs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these coaches, they like to keep their rotations the same and, and they try and not mix that up. I see it here in Orlando. It's the reason why Goga Bataze has become uh, a fantasy name because they didn't want to insert Mo Wagner into the starting lineup um, and, and disrupt the, the, you know, they pla- they practice a certain way. They play a number of minutes together with certain guys on the floor at certain times. And yeah. Especially these, uh, I guess it's not just the old school coaches. We're starting to see some of the newer school guys like Mosley do that mm-hmm. too. But yeah, I agree. I mean, Josh Josh Hart, uh, a fine fantasy player, but not anybody that that's going to get this big tick up because of the injury to Mitchell Robinson. All right, we got a couple either or questions from Mister A. Number one, Caleb Martin or Dante Exum? Great question. I would go. Um, I'm going to go with what I've seen more of. And that is production from Caleb Martin, and and I think he'll get he'll get even more of an opportunity. Haywood Highsmith dealing with an injury right now. Don't know how long he's supposed to be out, and uh, we saw it in the playoffs last year. I'm a big believer in Caleb Martin after watching all of those playoff minutes. Dante Exum has given us one single great game in years. So yeah. that I mean, I, Exum has all the upside in the world uh, if he's going to get the minutes, but Caleb Martin is yeah, uh, definitely I, the play. I feel the same way. I like Caleb Martin. Um, the, the big concern, of course, is the return of Tyler Hero, right? I, I think if he if he wasn't coming back, then this is a home run Caleb Martin for me. We'll see. You know, once Hero's back, that's 27 to 30 minutes all of a sudden that, you know, need to be inserted into that rotation. And I, I think, obviously, some of those are, are going to be lopped off of Caleb Martin, who has played 39, 34, 31, 35 minutes over the last four games. I, I still think he's you know, vastly more consistent, you know, he's going to be the guy that, uh, you know, on average is going to give you much better fantasy production. If you, if you look at a month long sample, you know, there, there'll certainly be weeks. I, I think where Dante Exum or games where he could be more valuable. It, it kind of depends on what you think the Kyrie situation is too. Like if you think Kyrie is going to miss a month plus then yeah, maybe there's something there with Exum, but I, I would rather have Caleb Martin. I, I think he's been, he's been so good that even with hero back, they're going to find ways, you know, for him to, to see at least what 25, 27 yeah. minutes a night. So that, I'm letting that's somebody would... else pick up Dante Exum. Yeah. I, it was great. I, I loved what I saw last night. I was on the Mavericks plus two, so that was I was mm-hmm. smiling year to year. But no, I'm not buying it. Keontae George or Tim Hardaway? This is another really interesting one. To me, this comes down to what kind of league are you in and what categories are you worried about if it's a category league. You know, Keontae George is shooting 35% from the field. That's the the big concern. He does technically still rank ahead of Hardaway in category leagues, even despite that. But that's mostly because Hardaway is basically just points and threes. Yeah, I uh, and and I'm I mean, that's kind of what you're getting from Keontae George, too. Yeah, you get the assists. Um, I'm going to go with Tim Hardaway, more consistent. And like you said, with the Utah Jazz, like they, they've had so many games where they just they just bottom out. Um, they, they do, but like Keontae George is just part of the bottom like 38 minutes because like, yeah, they're they're OK with the bottom. They're still going to play him. him. Um, yeah, I yeah, like George, I, but I would, I'd still rather, I think I'd still rather have Tim Hardaway. Okay. 
I think for the next couple of weeks, I'd rather have Hardaway. I think there's going to be some, you know, some games like we saw last night with no Kyrie, where he's the clear number two option. And, you know, Luca's happy to feed him. But on balance going forward, I might give slightly into Keontae George, even though I haven't been the biggest fan of him. All right. Prescient question for you, Brandon. Is Cole Anthony a drop now? Um, no. I He has not been as uh, explosive offensively, but... If if you were if if you liked what you saw from him before, nothing circumstantially has changed, and he's still a candidate for six man of the year. I would expect there are going to be ebbs and flows to his season. By the time you drop him, you're going to be regretting it, wishing you had picked him back up. Uh, I I would just hold. If you have Cole Anthony, there's no reason. Usually, when I put a guy out on the waiver wire. It, it's it's something has happened. A circumstance has changed that's led me to believe I'm never going to get that production again. That's not the case. He just he's had a, a down week. Well, what what is the Fultz situation? I don't know if you have any more insight on this than anybody else, but that that to me is the biggest factor here. If he's back and he's playing 27 to 30 minutes tonight, I, I think at that point you could say, yeah, maybe Cole Anthony's a drop in in 12 team leagues. I would hold him as, right now as well. I yeah. It, it, on balance has been fantastic this year. And like you said, he's just been a little bit down of late, but do you have any idea if Fultz is coming back? I mean, this just is starting to feel like more of a chronic, like, you know, they're, they're taking it game to game, but it, it really feels more week to week. And I think they kind of need him back. You know, the, obviously the magic have been playing well. Their record is 16 and seven right now. The battle for uh first place at the end of the week, they have the Celtics on Friday and Sunday, but Anthony black is just not a starting level point guard. And um, if, they, if he was healthy, they'd be putting him back in the lineup. I can tell you that. Um, I think Wendell Carter Jr., from what I've heard, is closer to a return than Fultz is. I, I haven't – the Fultz situation has been much more tight-lipped, which leads me to believe it's not coming in the immediate future. I do think he's going to come back at some point, but um, I don't think it's going to be within the next couple of weeks. All right, we got back-to-back very similar questions, eerily similar, one from Sean and one from Don. Just traded Kobe and Porzingis for Carl Anthony Towns. Thoughts? Uh, and then we have another question that says Kobe White for Porzingis. Uh, mm. Both of these are nine category leagues. So we'll talk about the two for one first. Kobe White and Porzingis for Cat. Pretty fair deal to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather have Carl Anthony Towns um, than than the other two. But um, yeah. I think I mean, it's they're... fair for both sides. I, I would prefer Towns because of the injury risk with Porzingis. Like that's just... I always, he's been really good when he's been out there. I just, I, you know, history suggests that that's going to be a losing investment more often than not. And obviously cats missed a lot of time too. So it's not like he's you know, early in his career. He was like 82 games every year. Uh, but I, I think cats been good enough and you know, he, he has first round upside. Those other guys really don't. Uh, but I, I think this is a fair deal for both sides. Yeah. I mean, there is a chance that what we're seeing with Kobe white isn't going to sustain, but, uh, um, we still don't know what Chicago Bulls is uh, is really going to look like, but it's good to see Chris Tapps Porzingis back out there. Uh, we know that he's going to bomb it from three. He's had six attempts in each of his last two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rebounds should be there. I think they've been a little bit suppressed, but I would expect that to pick back up. I mean, these are all really good players, but you want the best player in the deal, Carl Anthony Towns. So, well, he already did it. So, yeah, I agree. Good job. Cade Cunningham for Poole and Jeremy Grant in a 14-team, nine-cat league. Uh, our, our question asker, Jay, would be looking to offload Cade Cunningham, worried about a potential shutdown from the Pistons. Mm. 
I get that. I mean, I don't think the shutdown would come until much later in the season. And that would be ridiculous if they did yeah, that again. two years in a row to shut the guy down. I mean, at some point you got to play basketball. Right. Well, and, and last season, obviously, it was it was injury related. Um, I, I don't know if they would shut him down. You know, like you said, I think you just kind of want to get reps for Cade Cunningham. I, it's not like Cade is winning them games, right? It's, it's like at the end of the year, are you really are you worried about draft positioning? Like you've, you've lost 20 in a row with the guy playing every night. So I don't think that's really that big of a concern. Uh, you know, something Alex and I talked about on Monday too is this draft class. There's not a prize at the top. You know, there's not a Wembenyama sweepstakes here where you're trying to make sure you're in that bottom four for the the lottery odds. So something will develop. You know, in a few months from now, there will be two or three guys that we're really excited about. It always happens. But I, I, don't, I think with the way that this draft is shaping up, that's something you have to consider as well. I would, I, I'd almost be more worried about a Jeremy Grant shutdown than a Cade Cunningham shutdown. I completely agree. I, I, I'm not trying to move on Cade Cunningham. I know that the whole Pistons situation has been frustrating, but he still gives you 20 points most nights. He's good for double-digit assists uh, a couple times uh, over the course of a two-week span. And yeah, the three-point shooting isn't there. That's not really his game, but uh, I still really like the player. And um, I, I think he can only—he's he, only going to get better. He's a really talented player. We have not seen the best of Kate Cunningham yet. We'll address this one quickly. Kind of talked about it already. Is Kobe White a sell high, or can he keep this up rest of the season? Do you expect Chicago to trade Levine for a point guard? That's the thing. It's it. I expect them to trade Levine. I think that is sewn up. I really—I think that's happening. Uh, you know, could be as soon as like next week when guys become trade eligible. Could be January. Could be the trade deadline at the latest. Levine wants out, you know, when it gets to the point where he's publicly talking about, yeah, it's probably time for me to move on. And then is, you know, kind of mysteriously shut down with a, who knows what's going on injury, like a week later, the writing's on the wall, like Levine's gone. But the question is who's coming back, right? Like, do you bring in a young guard? Do you want to get a look at? I, I have no idea. There's no way to predict which team is going to step up or who you're going to get back. I don't think Kobe White can keep up the efficiency rest of season. Like we said earlier in the pod, I mean, last month he's at like 50, 50, 90 shooting. <laughs> That's yeah. just that's not sustainable three point shooting, especially. So he's at peak value right now, but I think he could do like a reasonable facsimile of this going forward. Like, unless they bring in, I don't even know who, like, what, you know, name young guard X who would come in and, and have to play 35 minutes. Like, even in that situation, like, you might be sending out more than Zach Levine. You might be trading DeRozan as well. Like, I, I think there's going to be minutes available. Like, I, I think Kobe White's going to be a big, big minute player the rest of the season. So can he keep up what he's doing right now exactly? No but I would be looking to acquire rather than trade Kobe White. I I tend to disagree. I yeah. I, I do think I do think that he's going to remain the starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls and I fully expect them to move off of Zach Levine. I, I don't know why they would bring in somebody else to take that spot from him when he's been one of your most productive players and you've played well since putting Zach Levine on the bench and just kind of waiting this trade situation out. So I think that that will continue. What the problem is, is he is not sustainable. What he's doing in terms of the three-point shooting percentage and all of that. So we're going to see dips. Right now what we're seeing is um, an average to good NBA player that's playing a really, really hot stretch of basketball sell high. When we're talking about some of the names that have already been discussed in the trades that have been thrown out there, like you talked about Jaron Jackson Jr., um, we had Carl Anthony Towns as part of a Kobe White trade of one of the answers uh, or questions that we had uh, a little bit earlier. When you're talking about selling high, uh, these are exactly the kind of players that I think 
do it with. And um, if you can get max value for him right now, I think you strike while the iron's hot. You don't just sell him to sell him, but I think you can sell high on Kobe White. All right, we'll zoom through the rest of these questions. Uh, really good one here from Admiral Nita. Has the stock of Jordan Poole, Ben Simmons, and Josh Giddy fallen so low that they're no longer buy low targets and are more stayaways? 12-team yes. category league. I want nothing to do with Simmons. Didn't want anything to do with him in draft season. Uh, I, I think anybody who's watched Ben Simmons over the last couple of years kind of knew this was coming. I wouldn't be really looking to acquire him. I think even even if and when he comes back, there's you know the next injury or the next tweak is, is right around the corner. But Poole and Giddy are, are interesting here. Yeah, I um, I tend to be a little more stay away with all of them. I've uh, I've now been burned too hard on Jordan Poole this year. Not uh, not happy with the investment that I made there, and uh, and and it seems like the Thunder are getting by just fine without Josh Giddy being one of their stars. You don't worry about a suspension anymore. It looks like that's not really going to happen. So not going to factor that into the equation, but. These are three players that just simply are not blowing me away. Yeah, I mean, Giddy, I don't mind grabbing just because, you know, he's still giving you last 10 games have been really underwhelming and he's still, you know, 10, 6, 4 and a steal. It's like it's still usable. Uh, doesn't take enough shots where the field goal percentage is like a huge negative. I mean, it's certainly not a plus, um, but, you know, he's shooting it terribly from three. doesn't take that many. Um, I, I think there's maybe some buy low with him. Poole looked like he was moving in the right direction for a while, relatively speaking, uh, and then has been just terrible the last two games. So I, I, I think any hope of like you know a Jordan Poole breakout at some point, like I think it, I think it would have happened, right? I mean, we thought this guy yeah. would hit the ground running and just be piling up points, and you know, there's that report like a, a month into the season that the Wizards don't view him as part of the future. Like I, I it's a lost season for Washington, and the worst part with Pools are not giving him the minutes. Like that is a really that's a bad indication, right? It, it, it's one thing if you're playing poorly, but you're still out there for 35 minutes racking up counting stats, but they're getting blown out every night. He's only playing 26, 28 minutes uh, for a lot of those. So I would, I would probably stay away from all three, but if you're, if you're looking to acquire one, Giddy would be the guy for me. What's up with Devin Vassell? Should I be looking to unload him or hold? Uh, we are of course talking about Devin Vassell for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. You know, it's been a little bit shaky. Uh, the raw numbers look pretty similar to last season. You know, obviously he missed basically the entire second half, but he's at 47% from the field on the year, 37% from three, again, close to where he was last season. So I, I think he's been about as expected, like maybe he hasn't taken a big step forward, but I, I think kind of neutral on him. Like I'm not panicking on Vassell. I, I think you're, you're, you're getting about what you should have expected. Yeah, I mean, the, the Spurs are in a similar situation to what we're seeing with the Detroit Pistons. They just lose a lot of basketball games, and when you lose a lot, uh, usually your best players aren't uh, holding up their end of the bargain. Devin Vassell st still the second-leading scorer on the team. Um, he, he just kind of is what he is. Uh, I, I don't think – could you look to unload him? Uh, I don't know who's trying to buy Devin Vassell right now, so I, I would just hold. Kawhi Leonard and Drew Holiday for Kristaps Porzingis and DeJounte Murray. Uh, this is a nine-category league. He's punting field goal percentage and punting rebounds. Which side of this trade do you like more? Mm, um, I I think I would lean the Staps and DeJounte Murray side. You're just getting a little bit more bang for your buck there. Yeah, Drew Holiday's just not been a great fantasy player this year. You know, his numbers have taken a predictable hit in Boston. Still great real-life player, of course. 
you worry about the injuries with like Porzingis and Kawhi almost cancel each other out for me injury wise. Um, you know, Kawhi's still the best player in the deal, but Dejounte Murray has also been extremely healthy, and I think is always one of the more underrated guys in fantasy. So I, I would, I would, I don't love either side of this because of the injury risk, but um, obviously you're you're either hanging on to an injury risk in Kawhi or acquiring one in Porzingis. Uh, but I, I think the like Murray to me outpaces Holiday enough that that I would rather have the Porzingis Murray side. What can I get for Poole and Hayward? Uh, tough to say. You know, Gordon Hayward, I, I'm riding it out with him in a couple of leagues, just like waiting for that injury to come. Uh, he's been solid, though. I mean, he's, he's picked up his assists a little bit with no LaMelo. You know, minutes have been there. He's always he's always been fine when he's been healthy. It's just you, you know that that injury is coming at some point. And you know, we just talked about Poole, not a guy that a lot of people are trying to acquire right now. So packaging those two together, you know, I don't think you're going to get anybody that's going to blow you away, right? Um, you you got to go pretty low here. Is there anybody that comes to mind? Uh, could you get one of the Pelicans guys, like a Herb Jones or a Trey Murphy, or is that even yeah. asking too much? I no, I think I think that's fine. I think that's a good good range that. to aim for. You know, could you try to get I don't know Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, guys who are kind of have high variance. You know, somebody who who might be frustrated with some of their down games. D'Angelo that's, Russell, by the way, I was looking at that MVP list that we went over a couple weeks ago. He's still towards the top of it as far as the most successful teams in fantasy basketball. A high percentage of them have D'Angelo Russell on their roster. I I don't understand that. I, I, guess, I don't either. You know, I, I think, you know, that, that does adopt to, you know, like Yahoo's default settings. Maybe they, they have some sort of D'Angelo Russell boost in there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, he is shooting 50% for the field. So whatever, we'll give him that. It, I, I have no idea how that <laughs> that makes sense. Like when you watch him, I feel like every every night I tune into the Lakers, he's not having a good game. Um, yeah. So I guess when I'm not watching, he must be going off. Uh, all right, James says, I have Vucevic, Valanciunas, Triple J, Hartenstein, and Nick Richards trying to trade one center away for a good power forward in return, who should I aim for? And again, who? Thanks. Uh, all right, thanks for the question, James. Yeah, yeah you got you got loaded. a little bit of a glut at center here. It's not. <laughs> it, depending on your like your league settings, it's not a bad thing to have options at center. You know, you're you never want to be in that boat where uh, you don't have enough centers and you're forced to start maybe two of them. But you got enough here. I you know I, I'd be looking to trade. Obviously, you can make a case for any of those guys, but if you're looking to get a good power forward in return. You know, you might have to trade one of those first three, Vucevic, Valanciunas, or, or Jared Jackson. You know, if you're putting Hardenstein or Richards out there, I don't think you're going to get a quote-unquote good power forward back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you maybe try to to aim for somebody like Jabari Smith, who's who's quietly played pretty well? Yeah, it was one of the first names that jumped out at me when I was looking at the list. I, I think P.J. Washington has been – his, his uh, production has been suppressed with LaMelo Ball out of the lineup, but if we see LaMelo come back – uh, he seems to thrive off of the way that LaMelo runs that offense and his defense is going to keep him on the floor. So he's a guy that you might be able to look at. I don't know if Evan Mobley is uh, getting a little bit too aggressive and what you could pitch, potentially get back. But yeah, those would be those would be a couple of the names. I like the Jabari Smith pull because it just as somebody who has Jabari Smith, he's one of those players on your roster. You're always willing to unload because uh, he, he's not he's not changing the game for you, but he's good enough to be in your starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, you could try to pull like a Triple J for Siakam, that type of thing. Uh, I think those are two players that a lot of people are probably looking to move off of right now. Um, so you got options. You got plenty of options. Uh, all right, Yusuf says, hey, guys, I got offered Embiid for my Booker and McCall Bridges. Do I need to get another player to equalize the trade? Is it worth uh, to get 
75th to 85th player with Embiid? What is the target rank for second player? Um, okay, so basically, is it, you know Booker and McCall for Embiid? Is that a fair deal? I actually think that's relatively fair. I mean, if, if obviously if you can get a if you can get a third or a second player you know to come with Embiid, I, I think you at least try that first. You know, don't accept the offer without countering, and if they decline. Um, I, I think this is a relatively fair deal. Like I'd still rather have the Embiid side because he's just been, he's been such a monster. You know, some of these top guys like SGA, Embiid, Halliburton, Jokic, I mean, they're, they like outpace even other first round values by so much that they're just incredibly valuable. Um, but you know, Booker and McCall Bridges is uh, to me a pretty fair offer. Yeah. Um, and, and so this person has Booker and McCall Bridges. So I would yep. just, yeah, just. I would slam accept. I wouldn't get cute. Sometimes when you start to you start to throw offers, counter offers back and forth too much, you end up losing the deal. I think uh, I think I would do it straight up because the player you're going to add to that mix, where the other person's still going to say yes, I don't think that 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 individual player is going to change the game for you. Um, all right, we'll do this one quick. You think the Warriors make some changes soon? Maybe Kamingo over Wiggins, less Clay. This team is looking sad. Yeah, we talked about this at the top, man. It's it's not looking good. I feel bad for Curry, um, which I have not said very often as as somebody who tends to be more of a LeBron supporter. Uh, but it's it's tough, man. I mean, they 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 left it all out there last night. Still came up short. Uh, it was the bench that was carrying them. I I think Wiggins to me is the guy who gets replaced first. I mean, he's just been a total train wreck. And even even if you know they don't pull him from the starting lineup, like we've already seen, you know, more Moody, more Kaminga. Um, you know, I think some of Pajemski's minutes have come at the expense of Wiggins. Clay is so tough. Like I, I think they have, and rightfully so, this kind of undying loyalty to Clay Thompson. And and you know, I think we know if anybody's capable of, of heating up for a month, it, it is still Clay. Like I, it's hard for me to see because I actually thought he was really underrated last year. Like people were talking about his downfall last season. I'm like, his numbers to me look pretty good. I, I know he slipped on defense, but I, I thought he, for the most part, played really well last season. And it's hard for me to see why there would be this big cliff coming, other than I, I guess just age and these injuries adding up. So I, I think they will they will punt on Wiggins much faster than they do Clay. Uh, yeah, the the legs seem to be going with Clay Thompson, and uh, he came back after a, a bunch of a lot uh, many months of rehab from that ACL injury, and and it just seems like age has caught up with them. What can they do? The only player they have on their team with significant trade value, they're never going to trade, and his name is Steph Curry. I just don't know what they can really do outside of making some of those minor moves. Um, yeah, starting Kamingo over Wiggins. Uh, they might end up doing that. They continue to slip. Yeah. Steph Curry wasn't all that good last night either. 26% from three-point range. So I'm not going to say he's part of the whole problem, but he was part of the problem last night. So on top of this, Zach asks, you know, basically, is it is it worth adding Pajemski right now? Or are we jumping the gun after another, you know, kind of splash game? For him, and you know, we, we got a lot of similar questions about a month ago when he had that big game. Um, I forget who who was that against uh, Minnesota. I think that was that was the Draymond ejection game. That's right. Uh, so that was like almost exactly a month ago against the Timberwolves. You know, Pajemski's last five, he's averaging twenty eight minutes a game, twelve point seven rebounds, three assists. Uh, the field goal percentage for a guy who's that small and takes a lot of tough shots has been pretty good. If you're in a deeper league, I would say yeah. I mean, if you're 14, 16 teams. Absolutely. I, I think Golden State, you know, you, you kind of heard it in Steve Kerr's voice last night. Like they're searching for answers. And I, I don't think, yeah. you know, I, I, again, I, Curry's obviously safe. You know, uh, I, I don't think Clay's going to see a massive reduction in minutes, but they're going to do whatever it takes to, to try to win games here. And I, I think Pajemski has been, he's been, he's been better like on balance than Clay has for a lot of the years. So 
yes, I, I would go out and add him if you have a roster spot. Um, you know, don't expect too much, but definitely worth an ad for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a speculative ad just to see what the Golden State Warriors do in order to correct this situation. They got to do something because um, th- th- this team is has too much pride to be sitting at 10 and 13 right now. Uh, so, you know, Steve Kerr is going to start to shake things up. Uh, all right. Supremacy asked, how do you check that MVP fantasy team stat? We will send that in the chat right now. Uh, Here, I, uh, I believe I have that. I believe I have that saved. Let me move this. Yeah, I, I just sent it. Um, okay. But you can. Well, that was fast. <clears throat> yeah. You, all you got to do is just Google Yahoo fantasy basketball MVPs and it'll take you there. But yeah, interesting page that, that shows you the highest rostered players on the most successful teams this season. Uh, James says, should I try to get Middleton? If so, who would be a good trade for him? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably pretty undervalued. You know, I, I think it, especially if there's somebody who's not, you know, checking box scores and just you, know, you hear the narrative of, oh, you know, he's not playing that many minutes. He's still working his way back. Like, he's still going to be like a borderline top 100 guy. So, yeah, I actually don't mind adding Middleton. I, I think there's only upside the rest of the way unless that knee injury, you know, really starts to crop back up. Um, even at limited minutes, you know, he's still giving you like, you know, 13, four and four, which is fine, especially in a deeper league. But don't give up anything too crazy for Middleton. You know, if it, like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be giving up somebody who's like played better than him quite yet. Uh, but if, if you have somebody in your league who's worried about Middleton long term, I, I don't mind adding him if you can get yeah. him cheap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's somebody that's been hot off the waiver wire, um, you can package someone like that and a and a low end starter, something like that, and 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 uh, work your way into getting Middleton. I I, I agree. Uh, with Nick, I don't think you need to give up much in order to acquire him. He's not somebody that that teams are holding on to uh, with dear life. Mm-hmm. Do you expect Trey Murphy to get back to the same production he had last season? Good question. I, I love Trey Murphy, one of my favorite you know individual guys in the league. My answer is no because Zion barely played last season, and that was a huge part of the reason that Trey Murphy you know had his his little second year breakout. I think he can get close. You know, Zion can obviously get hurt again. Uh, that would certainly help him. But yeah, you just got to remember that, you know, most of his, you know, breakout last season came without Zion. And as long as he's in the lineup, I think it's, they, they just got too many guys. You know, they got to play Herb Jones, um, obviously Ingram, McCollum. These guys all need big minutes. So as long as Zion's healthy, my answer is no. Yeah, love the player. But a lot of that production came due to Zion not playing basketball. And if he's out there, he's going to get his minutes. Um, uh, so yeah, same production. No, but he's still a player that I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Westbrook, is he a drop candidate or should you ride it out? I would drop him, uh, wait and see on Paul George, I guess. Uh, I know the Clippers downplayed it after the game last night, decided it was precautionary holding him out in the second half. So I wouldn't have too much concern there, but I, I'm not a Westbrook guy. I, I'd be, I mean, he's playing like 17 minutes a game over the last couple of weeks. I'd be pretty comfortable dropping him. Um, Trying to unload Jalen Green and Brogdon for a point guard or a shooting guard, 14-team category league. Anybody come in mind? This is tough because you know Jalen Green is kind of doing similar things to last season. Obviously, with Brogdon, he's, he's been banged up. You worry about a trade. And it just doesn't really match the rest of that roster in Portland. So, yeah, I mean, t- tough to hand out a, a specific player, I suppose. But if you're looking eh, – let's see. I don't know. I mean, I, I – could you try? I mean, could you try to get like Zach Levine by low on him while he's out? I think you absolutely could. 
Who's uh, who's who's trying to hold Zach, Le- Zach Levine right now? Um, I think if that person that that has him on their roster, especially if you got to look at their record and see if they are they struggling to find yeah. production, do they need wins and take advantage of situations like that? Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a really interesting player that comes to mind there. All right, we'll do a couple more, and then we we got to get out of here. We're well over the the hour mark. Uh, let's see. Rodrigo says, do you guys prefer Jalen Brown or Darius Garland rest of season? Um, I would, I would go with Darius Garland. Me too. Um, man, I, 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 I mean, I saw him personally the other night at the Amway center and he just went off. The second you start to focus in on Donovan Mitchell, which most, most defenses are going to try and take him out of the equation as much as they can, as hard as that may be. It just really opens things up for Garland. He's become a better three-point shooter, and he's a great facilitator. He leads yeah. the team in assists as well. Yeah, I'm on Team Garland here, no question. Um, in category leagues, you know, Jalen Brown's free throw percentage really hurts you. Uh, he's never been a good free throw shooter. He's gotten worse this season compared to the last couple. I mean, he's hanging around close to 70%. Uh, you know, the assists are down, the rebounds are down quite a bit. I, I think the addition of Porzingis, that's robbed him of two rebounds per game. Um, so it, to me, it feels like Garland hasn't even played that well, and he's still been a better fantasy player to date than uh, than Garland has. Um, and I, I think Garland is more upside the rest of the way. So that's that's where I would lean. Um, all right, a couple more. Hartenstein and Caleb Martin for Chris Middleton. Eh, I don't know if I would do that. I don't think um... so. I think I'd rather have Hartenstein and, and Caleb Martin. Yeah, me too. At least for the next month. You know, I, I the thing with Middleton, like I, I think I'm relatively high on him. I still don't think he ever plays like 36 minutes a night by the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I, they're I think saving they're gonna, him for the playoffs. Yeah, the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks care about the one seed that much. Like the, this entire, obviously it's title or bust for Milwaukee. And I, I don't think they care about our fantasy teams either. So, no, I, I mean... Caleb Martin's production is probably going to be pretty similar to Middleton, honestly, for a while here. So I, I would much rather have the the first side of that. LeBron for Booker. I get LeBron. Is that fair rest of season? It's fair. It's fair. Um, I think I'd rather have Booker, but it's close. Oh, it's so tough. I mean, LeBron's a better player. It's just, do you think LeBron's getting hurt? That's what it comes down to for me. Uh, definitely fair, though. You're incurring some risk with LeBron. I'll just say that. Um, if you're, if you're doing well in your league and you're, you know, you're in like the top three right now, I probably wouldn't rock the boat, but if you're, if you're looking to make a move up, then yeah, sure. Go ahead. Grab LeBron. Uh, let's see. We'll do one more here. Obi Toppin. End on a high note. Is he still a 14 team nine category hold considering Matherin and Neesmith have played well recently? Yeah. I, in 14 team league, probably not. I don't know. I mean, with Toppin, I, 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 he's a better like real life player. I think when he's running hot than he is a fantasy player, you know, on, on the year, it's like, he basically gives you 12 to 14 points really doesn't rebound for how athletic and, and large he is, you know, only three rebounds a game on the season, uh, you know, marginal three point shooting. He does shoot a very high percentage. That's the thing. He's over 60% on the year. So he is helping you quite a bit in field goal percentage, but I, I don't think you would necessarily rue the day that you dropped Obi top right. in the 14 team league. It's a good way to put it. Yeah, he's he's a putback specialist, so he's going to shoot that high percentage, uh, but just doesn't give you a lot else. And I think the I've been waiting for the Ben Matherin ascent. I think we're finally starting to see it, yeah. and uh, and perhaps that does hold back Toppin's overall value. All right, last one coming in under the gun here. George says, "Hi guys, appreciate what you do. Thank you, George. 
would you hold and enjoy Anthony Simons or should I sell high? I would hold him for now. I mean, I think he's going to be a complete monster later in the season. We'll see, you know, he could be a shutdown guy for sure. Um, but he's also young enough and part of their core that like, I, you know, I, I think Jeremy Grant is who I would worry about most in Portland being shut down. I would hold Simons. I mean, I, I guess like if you could flip him for like a bona fide top 25 guy. Yeah. Then I, I would think about it you know, if you, if you really want to, but I mean, I think he's going to be a complete monster. Like this is an yeah. ultimate, this, this is what we thought Jordan Poole would be, right? I mean, this is, this is like, he's like a good version of Jordan Poole. For um, sure. He's, I'd he's be played. more worried about a trade uh, than I would be a shutdown. I, I think yeah. Anthony Simons, with all the, the glut of guards they have, Simons, definitely Brogdon, um, those guys might end up on the move. But that doesn't necessarily tank his fantasy value. He could end up yeah. in a good spot. I think he's going to keep doing what he's doing. Like, I wouldn't, I, you know, he's been awesome. These first three games, hits the ground running. He's averaging like 33 a game. He's hitting a ton of threes. Uh, very good free throw shooter as well. You know, that's something that's not talked about with him. I mean, he's like an almost 90% guy. Uh, so I would hold him. I, I still think you could trade him in a month if you if you have the same concerns and his value is going to be about the same. All right, that'll wrap it up, guys. Uh, went for 80 minutes here. Man, good questions in the chat, as always. Uh, really appreciate that. Helps us, you know, help you guys talk about as many players as we can. Uh, you can always catch the archive version, audio on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on YouTube if you missed it live. Uh, please like, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. That helps us immensely. Uh, you can leave us comments there. We'll answer those. Uh, and give us a follow on Twitter as well. That, that helps us out. So thanks for listening along. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll have an episode coming at you guys tomorrow morning. Uh, and then we'll have Alex, Ken, and Shannon talking waiver wire on Friday.